welcome to the fifth episode of Etc. Etc. with Young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. Today's guest is Mr. Mikey Georgeson. He has a wide number of musical and artistic projects going on. One of them is fronting one of my favorite bands of all time, David Devant and his spirit wife. Now in Devant, Mikey is known as The Vessel, which he explains as the role he intuitively gave himself in the band. To quote Mikey, This is explained as my becoming a conduit for the continued magical performative acts through music of the early 20th century conjurer and stage magician David Devon. As I've remained aesthetically entangled in this role, I've recognized that it essentially released me from the encumbered position of ego. I'm just a vessel taking in the flow out of which material emerges. Magic. End quote. Excellent, man. And that's just the beginning of what we're going to get into. All right, I'm here today with Mr. Mikey Georgeson, a.k.a. Mr. Solo, a.k.a. The Vessel, a.k.a. Mr. Georgeson. How y'all doing? We're all good, yes. We're all in the vessel. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Now, you're a big fan of the mystical poet William Blake, and you performed at Blake Fest last year. Tell me about that. Ah, did I, I did I perform? Now I have, I'm having to think about whether I performed. I'm trying to remind myself what guys I uh, adopted for last year's event uh, because I have done. I've had dandelion visions. I've had the actual occasion, but this year uh, or last year, just gone. What I did is I created my. Uh, aesthetic machines installations ah. um the center point of which was a uh, hatching pod of imminence um which is a sort of human-sized laser cut egg uh, out of which another of my friends kimmy professor kimmy peckpo emerged so the egg was there for the people of Felpham, Felpham being the village near Bognor Regis that Blake lived in. So we took the egg there and people could go in and sit in that egg and feel the stillness of the cosmos and then hatch out into the world and Felpham taking some of that cosmic stillness with them. Uh, so that was the centerpiece of the aesthetic machines. Another of the aesthetic machines at that uh, happening uh which is i i hope you don't mind me saying uh mr southpaw i've i've recently come up with a phrase happeningness happening uh i'm trying to correct this you know happiness but like happeniness i like it happeniness so it's it's like seeing life is uh an event rather than a collection of separated uh coordinates and objects so yeah that was a, a blake's glad day i like to call it you know his, his glad day is his picture of uh the the man albion leaping up with his little willy and it's I, so i called the event glad day and uh, we tried to fill fill people with happen happeningness that sounds amazing uh so yeah yeah, uh, another one was uh, I got a big old Victorian bath 
and I worked out how to put a DVD player under the taps. Because they never would have had a DVD player back then. Absolutely. And in the bath as well. Oh, yeah. It so um, you sat in the bath and it, it was um, uh, another part of this DVD was that you sat in it and I recited a poem in the uh, visionary manner of William Blake, I hope, about my earliest memory, because I'd woken up one morning. And do you, do you ever try and think of your earliest memory? I do. I do. My earliest memory, it turned out, was pooing in the bath with my mum when I was a little toddler baby. And uh, so the poem was about that. And um, there was a picture of an apple bobbing in water on the DVD Ooh. to kind of conflate this idea of loss of innocence and uh, the shame I felt. But once I turned it into a public installation, the shame seemed to evaporate. So uh, Funny how that works. Th there you go. It's, yeah. it's, it's interesting. My, my earliest memory is of my cousin Mike vomiting over the side of a boat uh, we had just like take off off on a ferry, so okay. I wonder if early like memories like bodily functions like the stuff like that is instilled, you know, so so strong uh, to make us remember. Okay. So, absolutely, bodily exuberance is the thing that as we grow up, we're kind of conditioned to think that growing up is becoming less and less bodily exuberant. Uh, so, um, yeah, that's very interesting, Mister Southport. So I, there was a bit of dropout. So were you uh, heaving over the side of a boat? My cousin was, but I was standing next to him, and it was Your such a, a shock to to witness okay. that it instilled yeah. itself in my, were in you, my brain. Were you downwind? Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was clear. <laughs> I was clear. Oh, okay, <laughs> you were upwind, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So these these are the aesthetic machines. The aesthetic machines are created in order for people to kind of pretend or speculate as i would say that they inhabit an aesthetic ontology ontology you know way of being rather than conceptual so within within that moment that they're in the machine they can just feel things as well as conceive things and it, it's all entangled in one happiness event and uh yeah, I I, to I I spoke on a panel at that uh, event as well. We all talked about how brilliant William Blake is. Now I've heard it conjectured that William Blake was the original manic street preacher way back when, like with what he was doing, you know. I mean, how do you think the manics would have sounded differently? I mean, if at all, if William Blake had actually been in the band. Yeah, that's a good question. I'm sure he would have come up with something innovative because he was quite Brian Eno-esque, I suppose, in his in the way that he liked to uh, hotwire technology. And he once came up with an innovative way of printmaking because he had a dream of visitation from his dead brother who told him how to do the printmaking technique. So perhaps he'd have come up with a way of hotwiring a guitar to a synthesizer and uh, in much the same way that uh, when, when David Devont and his spirit wife recorded, we used to pass uh, Foz question marks guitar 
through a pheromine and through a uh, an organ accumulator in order to come up with a specific sound. That sounds wild. Uh, that was wild. with Warren Livesey. Actually, yeah. I, when you yeah. were talking about the egg, I was thinking about like the organ accumulator. I've, I've always wanted to experience one, but I never have. Yeah, it's that's very peculiar because I did recently, before I made my final collection of aesthetic machines, I saved on my desktop was a photograph of an organ accumulator as a kind of note to self. Like, this is what you need to be making. But I think maybe I intuitively, from the peripheral vision thought, Maybe people won't like just being shut in a dark box. Uh, so you never know, though. The organ accumulator might return. We should probably explain to our listeners who might not be familiar with the organ accumulator what, what one is. You want to handle that? Uh, well, it's, it, it's a box that um, it doesn't transmit organs. What It, it, it uh, accrues organs, and by being within the the box your body then absorbs more organ energy now organ was were the basic life force that wilhelm reich uh claimed to have discovered and he yeah. was the inventor of this it's it's a it's some cool stuff listeners you should check it out and hawkwind have that song organ accumulator there was a cover version of it when i was a young lad by i think it was pop will eat itself fitter and uh their their version was also very good but um, I think a lot of people like it's funny that he's a, it's another William, Mr. Southport, isn't it? Wilhelm it is, it Reich, is. William Blake. They're they're into these this life force. And I've been talking with a good, good friend uh, called Larry who lives in Canada. And and I said, you know, I love this thing, material vitality. And he said, is that not just Bergson's life force? And I said that I thought, well, life is life force, so you can't compartmentalize it as a thing, whereas material vitality is an expression of my feeling that life is life force. So to make life force a subsection of that would be absurd. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In much the same way that organs are everywhere, according to Wilhelm Reich. Now, you've been talking about Blake having a, uh, an interest in uh, technology, which got me thinking, too, that, uh, you know, Duran Duran had that instrumental Tiger Tiger, you know, but they spelled it with an I instead of a Y, you know, like his poem, you know, Tiger Tiger. But I mean, you know, yeah, an I instead yeah. of a Y. Why? Well, absolutely. I did hear Nile Rogers saying that Duran Duran were punk. Were you aware of that? They, they did a song called Wild Boys that I think Nile Rogers was uh, channeling for them. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, th- that, that must have been their Blakeian moment. Well, Wild Boys WB, that's his initials right there. Yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Simon Le Bon, for that brief period, was certainly channeling William Le Blake. Are you familiar with the American uh, band, the Blake Babies, Juliana Hatfield's first band? Formed, get this, in 1986, which was the year of the Fire Tiger. Again, bringing us back to that poem, Tiger, Tiger, burning bright, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. 
I actually, um, I, I was a, I've been approached by somebody who wants to make a dance from Tiger Tiger. I haven't seen the dance yet, but uh, they want to do this at next year's Blake Fest. Would it be like Mud's Tiger Feet? I think I will try and encourage this. Uh, yeah. Because um, being glam, not glum, as you know, is something dear to my heart. I do know. That's a good phrase. Yeah. Yeah. That, sadly, I didn't come up with it. But because I was in the band, I can own it and embody that. Don't be glum, be glam. Who came up with it? This was the band Glam uh, Chops that everyone should check out. Glam Chops, that was... Uh, Tim Orchard, or Tim Chop, who is the glamest person on the planet. Uh, yeah, he's a man totally immersed in all things glam. He's the glam man. And in my opinion, that is the best glam rock song ever written. Has that been released? And it, it was a privilege. Uh, I, only in the modern, you know, on the winds of the digital ether kind of released not as a bona fide seven-inch buy it for 45p at Boots at the weekend kind of release, uh, which is what I still consider the definition of released. I could take that a few ways. I've got a song called I Feel Released, but recently I've got a new album released. Which I was just about to ask you about. David Devant and his spirit wife's Cut Out and Keep Me is your new release. Now, tell me about that. Yes, Dave, uh, David Devonk, Cut Out and Keep Me. It's a new album, um, which for, for us, it was like a leap into uh, freedom from the known. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I had a hunch that we're quite a good band and uh, intuitively we all sort of worked towards this big cosmic superbird collaboration and uh, so I can still look back on the vista that I am now and uh, inhabiting and look at this album and and see its riches um, every time I look at it. Normally, with when you make a record, it's quite hard to keep listening to it. But I think with this one, because there's so much going on and so much input from every member that uh yeah it's like a coral reef of a record that i'm scuba diving and seeing all these uh rich wonders appearing before my ears now the title it reminds me of uh that bit that scene in steve aylitz lint i think you were the one who recommended me that book you know where lint's hanging out with william burroughs after he had just done a bunch of his cut-up poetry and lint like puts him back together in the original form it's crazy it's hilarious but where did the title come from well uh, as you know mr southport i uh, i am the vessel so i'm not entirely sure where my lyrical content comes from occasionally i construct things but uh, quite rarely, um, I think I must just have heard the phrase and thought that's a nice phrase. Um, but I think to me, it now speaks of the kind of uh, I, I wouldn't go as far as trauma. But, you know, being nostalgic is not necessarily a good thing, is it? And uh, this time of year, actually, we all do it a bit. We're trying to sort our lives out. So we go through boxes. We look at photos and relive the past and it 
some it's not an entirely pleasant feeling some of it's quite joyful but then there's this i i sort of have this funny atmosphere of uh something dragging me back when i when i just want to experience bodily exuberance of uh happiness but you know so in the song it says uh when the walls of your brain have all frozen over you'll find my name down the back of the sofa so uh after christmas new year you might be adjusting your furniture and and you'll find my name on a, a little receipt or something and it'll take you back to that time. Now, you're, you're quite fond of the back of the sofa. I mean, in Born Yesterday, you uh, drop yes. a knee behind the sofa. And now you're, you know, sofa, sofa, sofa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's good. I mean, I can remember the, the texture of the sofa when I was a child growing up. Uh, again, you know, it's a haptic, tactile kind of pleasure. My memory for names isn't has never been great but my memory for sofa textures is second to none the other day i uh, took another leap into the unknown you know mr southport i am fond of these leaps i do know um, he is partly listener. because they they give <laughs> they give me access to emergence you know what when you make that leap what happens is an emergence it's freedom from that which everybody knows. So I thought, oh, I'll take my old, uh, slightly dilapidated sample to college and I'll give a lecture about how memory is not just in the brain, it's in objects. And because the samples for this song of which you speak, uh, Born Yesterday, were on this little sampler. And I, I thought, well, I'll do the lecture and I'll seg into the song, which, which I did, you know, triggering the samples. And conveniently, as I got to the second verse, uh, I remember thinking it was over. I dropped a knee behind the sofa. And there next to me was a sofa with two students on. And I was able to dramatize the lyric somewhat. Wow. It just appeared. And that was that. just a couple of days ago. It all comes together. Yeah. And I I had not thought of of dropping ease behind the sofa for a long time, but now twice in one week. Let's, let's talk about a couple of the songs on the new record. Now, there's a tradition of like movies being sort of retold in song form, you know, like uh, when Scott Walker did The Seventh Seal, you know. I mean, you have a new song on the new record, Miracles Happen uh, in Manhattan, but that isn't a yeah. retelling of the Jennifer Lopez film Made in Manhattan, is it? I mean, I wouldn't think so, but you got to check with these things. Yeah, it, well, it might be, because as you know, Mr. Southport, I am a fan of backwards causality. I do know. And so something funny, might, do you mean made as in M-A-I-D? Yes. Uh, a single mother brought up in one of the boroughs of New York City. Uh yeah, well, you know, when uh, that that song is about my first time in Manhattan, and uh, I think until then I thought, oh well, life can be quite normal and just average, but I ended up uh, staying with, as the song says, three models in Mott Street, and uh, hence the chorus line: "Miracles happen when you hang out in Manhattan." 
people probably say it a lot, don't they, about America, but it's quite a yes country. Uh, and that was certainly my experience. It was uh, a proliferation of creative exuberance. Speaking of exuberance, This Rough Magic is my favorite song off the record, and you've got falsetto ooze in it, which are just sheer exuberance. I, I think like they're just like a spell that conjure up like a perfect pop tune. Like, Do you have any thoughts on like ooze or any other like magical pop phrases? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, the Beatles made yeah magical, didn't they? Definitely. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so that, but strangely enough i know he uh you you might be surprised but i do like beck hansen and i was listening to his falsetto today thinking you know you've got a good falsetto mr beck um on his latest long playing record um i i do like falsetto but the colonel in union the colonel being the bass player in david debont and his spirit wife he's kind of uh, our union falsetto rep, but I'm, I myself do like falsetto. Um, I'm trying to think of some other uh, pop magic phrases because I think you're on something there. Do you, do you have any? I think the word tonight, tonight and yeah, are just sort of uh, the big pop words uh, just sort of conjure up magic. Um, And the, Maybe baby rhyme. Like if you hear the word maybe in a pop song, you can pretty much bet money it's going to be rhymed with baby. And (laughs) yeah, it it makes me wonder how much I said, yeah, (laughs) makes me wonder how much, how much lyrics are just based on rhyme that rather than any actual, what you're trying to say. Not you people in general. Well, you know, we're in, we're back to the Beatles. They're from Liverpool. They, it had this bodily exuberance of the zeitgeist for an aesthetic ontology, which was the 60s. You know, the, the music was not a soundtrack. It was the the meaning. Mm. And uh, so that's, yeah. My friend uh, Rodri was on Facebook saying that he had his beard pulled because he told a man in a pub that he didn't listen to the lyrics he liked the tune and sound of the lyrics. And uh, I, I always thought people liked the lyrics, you know. So, But as, as you know, Mr. Southpaw, I've got quite bad hearing. So it's only since I grew up and thought I needed to enter the striated realm properly that I got hearing aids and I could begin to hear the definition of life, you know, the edges of words. That, um, But before that, everything was just the sound of things. So... Uh, yeah, it is. It is the sound of things. Give me more. Hey, hey, hey. Give me more. Another, my other favorite on the record is uh, putting my demons to bed. What, what can you tell me about that? Too? Uh, yeah, well, it kind of uh, strangely rough magic um, is partly inspired by Prospero, isn't it? Who who says this rough magic I abjure. I think that rough magic is his. He was seeking revenge through magic. And that was the rough magic. But at the end of the play, he decides, no, I, I, you know, revenge isn't the way. And perhaps uh, putting my demons to bed is, is about that. It's, it's quite a gentle 
song though in that sense if you know uh, but at the end it does say uh, tuck them in and bash them on the head so uh, you know when you're putting your demons to bed uh, I think you know uh, David Bowie always not always but he often talked about how songs have this uh, one atmosphere in the verse and then another atmosphere in the chorus and the atmosphere of the verses of uh, demons there's that uh, slightly struggling with uh, some of the the bumps in life and uh, you know there are times I feel so solemn I think I must be someone else's golem um, but then in the chorus we go for the uh, the the transcending through the specificity of life rather than hoping for it we get there through living it i think that's what's going on but as you know i'm only the vessel <laughs> now you do automatic drawings every morning do, do those come from having well-rested demons sometimes i get a glimpse of the wellspring um but other times those drawings are a manifestation of the conflict between my ego my desire to create order and my desire to to make something emergent and and imminent where, where meaning is not a conceptual designated signpost does that make sense yes yes it does thank you <laughs> glad but uh uh yeah they're fun to do as well they they help me feel good I think, but I need to remember to get up early to do them because that's when they're totally unencumbered. And that's why you have to put your demons to bed the night before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of people, I, I meet a lot of people who, t who say we've got to embrace our demons, hug our, our demons. But it's, uh, what, what do you think? Do you think we should hug our demons? Only if... Oh, it's a tough one because there's that whole, the first rule of magic is don't call up anything you can't put down, you know? So, you know. If, I like it. If yeah. you can't embrace your demon to somehow then synthesize into something greater that you, I think have control of might be too strong a way to put it, too like forceful way to put it. But I mean, I don't think you should engage in it if, it, if it's going to be disastrous, yeah. obviously. But I think... It could have the opposite side of the coin of being uh, advantageous. Absolutely. Well, all of this, I mean, I, I, I increasingly think, yeah, we've got to be like that with technology rather than uh, what seems to currently be the paradigm is more like Mickey Mouse in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, where technology is this self-proliferating order maker that is ruling us and uh you know the brooms getting cut up and taking over but uh you know we can be like uh the master if we have as blake suggests uh an expand expanded mode of being we uh can uh, technology can be a good thing if you see technology as a demon, that is, yeah, which it is potentially, I suppose, if we don't realize that it's shaping us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, going with that, I mean, you also perform as Mr. Solo. 
And that name, there was like a, a Napoleon Solo from the man from Uncle. And there was a minor figure with the name Mr. Solo working with Goldfinger in that James Bond book. So I mean, my question is, what Bond villain do you think would release the best solo album? Which Bond villain would re- release the best solo album? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, well, Grace Jones. Grace Jones has done it. That, so am I allowed to pick her? You can. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> I, she, she, what name did she have, though, in James Bond? She had quite a cute name. Mayday. Mayday. Well done. Mayday, Mayday. Yeah. And uh, she she has rather sublime records, does she not? Yeah. But if we take her out of the equation, because I suppose that's unfair then yeah uh odd bod maybe no he's in carry on screaming odd job yeah but perhaps odd bod should have been in james bond well there's still time uh, there there is still time because they like to shake things up and keep the audience on their toes yeah. now i've just got a i got one more question uh to finish things off um in your song, Miscellaneous, from the first Devant album, one of the lines is, when you finally find out what this mess is all about, won't you come round and let me know? So, did yes. anyone ever come round and drop some like major insight on you? That is a good question. But, <laughs> I have to say... If they had, you see, that that's the paradox, isn't it, uh, Mr. Southport? You know, if someone else tells you what it's all about, then it's not what it's all about. You Borrowed knowledge is only so good. Uh, maybe they, someone might have come round and said something that set me on a path to getting me a little bit closer to feeling less tangled up and more entangled. Were you on the sofa at the time? Would have been possible, yeah. I'd I'd have to be regressed, perhaps, in order to remember. Um, I I did have a Jehovah's Witness come round once, and she looked really like a gypsy. Um, and I I'd forgotten this, but uh, remembered recently because I was listening to my song "Wormhole Is Closing," which is on a Carfax album that I've done recently on the corporate records label. So takes me back to that, uh, how, how songs are for me, they, they are my like embodied memory. Uh, I can't really remember other people's lyrics, but I can remember my life through my songs. Excellent. So before we go, is there anything you got coming up you'd like to plug? Well, our album, I, I, I would say, and I, I think we're going to be playing a concert in Brighton, which is uh, the crest dish of David Devont and his spirit wife, where we formed and germinated. Uh, so it's great to be taking the new album to, I think we're going to be playing at a venue called The Hope and Ruin on the 28th of March this year, all being well. Um so it seems a bit of an oversight that we hadn't booked that in earlier because uh, Brighton was uh, such a uh, an alchemical occurrence uh, for me and the other members of the band. 
they, they uh, Brighton immersed us in the, uh, sorry to be so repetitive, but aesthetic ontology. Yeah, we were able to just uh, be like organisms solving mazes with our body rather than our minds. Excellent. If you catch my drift. Well, thank you very much, Mikey. It was a pleasure having you on. Always a fascinating conversation with Mr. George. Now, it's sometimes tough to keep track of all the connections happening at any given time, so it was only after our talk that I realized that Mayday, as well as being the Bond villain Mikey chose, you know, is also the name of a William Blake engraving. It all comes together. So as usual, if you like the podcast, please rate and review it and all that jazz. Tell your friends, etc. And and check out some more Young Southpaw stuff at youngsouthpaw.com. And of course, check out some Devant, man. They're fantastic. Here's Putting My Demons to Bed off the new album, Cut Out and Keep Me. <laughs> 